This podcast is sponsored by MSP Consulting. With decades of experience advising and supporting thousands of clients, MSP Consulting understands the pains associated with credit card acceptance and has created solutions across all industries that are proven to save businesses money, ease frustration, and mitigate security risks. Visit GetMSPAdvantage.com for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Our Two Cents with MBA. I'm Jackson Hathaway, Executive Vice President of Member Services, and we're glad you can join us. In this episode of the podcast, we focus on the Safe Banking Act, which recently passed the U.S. House of Representatives with bipartisan support. This bill would allow banks and other financial institutions to provide financial services to marijuana and marijuana-related businesses, something that is particularly important in Missouri, where we have legalized medicinal marijuana, while at the federal level, Marijuana, in general, remains a Schedule I narcotic. The gap between the state and federal classifications of this drug have made it impossible for banks to feel comfortable offering services to marijuana businesses. And as a result, those businesses largely conduct transactions in all cash. We've been addressing this issue for years at the federal and state levels and finally have a window of opportunity to move an all-cash unsecured business into a safe and sound banking environment. However, This bill took a non-traditional path to a vote. Rather than going through the Financial Services Subcommittee, as would be expected, Speaker Pelosi moved the bill directly to the floor of the House, where it passed quickly and easily. For that reason, we asked James Ballantyne, Executive Vice President of Congressional Relations and Political Affairs, for the American Bankers Association to join us, so that he could discuss why and how this bill moved so quickly, and what he expects as it moves towards the Senate. So with that... Please welcome James Ballantyne with the American Bankers Association. So, James, thank you for being with us this morning uh, in the middle of what is always a busy schedule up in your area of the country. Uh, we know that there's been a lot of action in the House and Senate, and um, we're going to certainly talk about one area of that in particular, the SAFE Act that just cleared the House floor last week. But before we do, for those of our Missouri members out there who may not know you, if you'll give us a quick introduction of yourself and your role at ABA, I know they would appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Jackson. And uh, I am uh, James Ballantyne. I um, am Executive Vice President of Congressional Relations and Political Affairs at the American Bankers Association. I've been with the association uh, for 21 years now, so a long time and seen many issues come through. And I handle on a daily basis our outreach to members of Congress and, of course, work with great great folks like Jackson and Max and all of the uh, MBA team on a number of issues. Well, we appreciate everything you do up in D.C. Um, for those of you who don't know James out there who haven't heard of him, you know, unfortunately, I've never had the chance to meet you in person, James, but well before I joined the MBA, I had heard your name and heard about uh, how hard you and the ABA team work to keep banking issues at the forefront and to make sure that our membership is really cared for uh, on the legislative docket. So thank you for everything. Oh, thank you. As we as we saw last week, there was some excitement that was unanticipated. Uh, you know, we'd been planning our congressional visits, doing them remotely with our delegation, and we'd had the SAFE Act at the top of our list of things to talk about. And then suddenly, out of the blue, it, it appeared. Uh, instead of going to the Financial Services Committee and making its way to the traditional uh, process, it jumped to the House floor. Can you give us a quick refresh on the bill? I know it was virtually the same as the bill that had passed in the prior conference, but but what is the SAFE Act? Uh, what was ABA working on with the SBA in the past few years to get this cleared so that it would be something for our industry as it deals with the, the ongoing cannabis debacle? 
Well, the cannabis issue is certainly a tricky one. And uh, as the issue has grown throughout states and as states have legalized cannabis um, on either the uh, adult use level or medicinal level, uh, banks have been caught in the position of whether they can work with a cannabis business directly or whether they can work with a cannabis related business uh, or an ancillary business that may be dealing uh, with cannabis. And that is an issue that came to our attention some years ago and needing to address it um, was going to be a challenge uh, even four or five years ago. I recall a conversation that uh, members of Congress had on the floor about this when uh, the bill's sponsor, Congressman Perlmutter of Colorado, which was one of the first states uh, to legalize recreational uh, marijuana use, uh, when he had this conversation on the floor with a Republican member, the Republican member said at that time, uh, and he was from Ohio, he said, just because this is an issue in your state doesn't mean it's an issue that we need to deal with on the congressional floor. And therefore, I oppose your efforts to bring up what was then a version of the Safe Banking Act and uh, turn the clock uh, ahead. That very same member of Congress uh, that said that was a state issue now is a primary sponsor of the Safe Banking Act. So the Safe Banking Act on its uh, on surface in very layman's term is a bill that helps uh, clarify how banks can work with cannabis, cannabis related and ancillary businesses that deal with cannabis without fear of prosecution, without fear that their regulatory agencies will come after them for working with these businesses. So it's really meant to clarify how a bank can move forward. It is not the end all to be all for every bill uh, that deals with the cannabis issue, but it is one step in the right direction of providing some clarity for some institutions that need that space to work with these uh, work with these businesses. And uh, I, I'm sure you'll have a question about how it's going to impact going forward. But let me pause there uh, just with that explanation on on the bill itself. But uh, before I pause, you did ask the second question, and I, I wanted to make sure I remembered as to how this bill started moving forward. The bill passed last year in the House of Representatives. It was the first time it was brought up, first time it was considered in the House of Representatives, and it passed overwhelmingly with 321 uh, votes. And that is a tremendous number to receive uh, in Congress to get 321 votes on any measure, even naming a post office is challenging uh, in Congress uh, right now. But a bill this complicated to be brought up and, and to be considered was great. And it went through last Congress in the House, no action in the Senate. The Senate is always a slow moving body. And certainly on an issue like this, it was slow moving. So this year, uh, we, we thought that it would go through the same process uh, of going through the committee to be considered and having a vote in committee uh, and then be brought to the floor. Uh, but they decided to bypass the committee. Uh, they said that was a useless effort in light of all of the bipartisan support that the bill had been receiving uh, last year and, and receiving this Congress. And they moved it directly to the floor. And then one of the strangest things I've seen in my time, the bill received the exact number of votes um, in favor, 321 uh, that it received last year as well. And that's what different members uh, from from last year. So coincidence, uh, but maybe a good sign that this is the way to move forward. And you mentioned, of course, that this uh, bypassed financial services committee, it went straight to the floor. 
any reason other than it seemed to have bipartisan support in the last Congress, it was anticipated it would have bipartisan support again, and it, it basically was an easy win to to move it out. Was there anything else that you thought drove it, or was that purely the motive of Speaker Pelosi and, and leadership? That was the that was really the motive of both the chair of the committee, um, uh, Chairwoman Waters of the committee, um, who always sends bills through the committee. Uh, that there was really little use. Uh, obviously, Congressman Perlmutter, who has worked this bill for a number of years, worked with members on the other side of the aisle to see if there would be any amendments uh, that were going to be offered uh, that would substantially change the bill. Uh, he must have received some indication that uh, they had clearance on, on that side, and they brought it to the floor. It is an unusual um, uh, procedure, uh, but the, of the members that voted against the bill on the floor, uh, uh, very few of them, if any, raised the issue that it did not make its way through the committee. Uh, so it was actually brought up on the floor on uh, what's called the suspension calendar, which is reserved for non-controversial bills. And the fact that it was brought up on the suspension calendar indicates that there was sign off on both the Republican and Democratic side. It's interesting. For one of the most controversial issues repeatedly in the last 10 years for this to make it onto the suspension calendar and, and quickly get the exact same number of votes it received last year with different members, it does sound like a story you make up, not something that can actually happen in our current yeah. political climate. But you know what's interesting, Jackson, about that is it shows you how this issue has graduated over the years. Uh, I told you about the debate that occurred some five or six years ago, and now here you are. Uh, with that same member that said, you know, this should not be brought up on the floor, being a primary supporter of the bill, and now it moving through in such a fashion, in such a quick fashion, and so early in the session, it gives you an indication of how the states have really spoken on this issue, where you have multiple states that have legalized this. And I can argue that if uh, absent COVID, uh, there would have been more on the ballot uh, uh, last time and I think there'll be more on the ballot going forward. And you have some states that really, uh, and I always said the Southern states would sort of drive this debate and get members uh, to work on this issue. When you have states like Virginia, and uh, which, which now has full uh, legal, recreational and medicinal, uh, when you have those type of states starting to come on board, it's really pushing uh, the federal uh, government and pushing members of Congress to say, the people have, spoke, have spoken. Well, and on that front, you know, even though it had 321 votes in support, there was and continues to be dissent, both on the House side and the Senate side. Our own delegation from Missouri did not vote unanimously in support of this. So I wondered if you could speak to some of, of where that dissent comes from. Uh, it obviously wasn't the fact that it cleared the committee or, or made it without committee review. So what do seem to be the kind of hanging chad issues that people struggle with when it comes to the State Banking Act? Well, the, the strange thing about this issue is that the, the Safe Banking Act deals with banking. Uh, it only deals with the banking aspect of it. There are other members of Congress that wish to get into broader issues on marijuana around legalization. Uh, some wish to get into areas around sentencing reform uh, for people that are currently that are currently in prison because of uh, possession of marijuana. Others want to get into uh, other broader issues that are really issues that need to be addressed, but not dealing with the sort of banking related items that we have to deal with. So that's some of the concern of Republican members is that issue of, is this just 
the opening to this broader conversation, which we really don't want to address right now. There's also some concern from Republican members that here you have legal, uh, yes, these businesses are legal in their state, uh, but they go back to issues that dealt with an issue around Operation Choke Point, where the government was saying, well, you could not work with these businesses, but you can work with these other businesses. Uh, in, in, in their view, stifling uh, banks from working with illegal, other legal businesses that may have been gun manufacturers, uh, pick your business uh, that perhaps were on that list of being restricted in how banks operate with them. So um, I think you have a bunch of issues working into this theme of, do I want to deal with marijuana? Should banks be working with uh, marijuana businesses? Uh, this is just too much for me. Uh, let's, let me just vote no, and maybe this issue will go away. <laughs> and when you piece it all together like that, you can see how people might feel differently about it, despite yeah. it's clear to our industry, as it may seem, to just make it possible for what is essentially an all-cash business at the moment, or certainly go through unregulated entities when it's not all-cash, into a much safer, consistent, regulated uh, format. You know? Well, that is that is actually the 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 best point uh, that you make there is that this is a all cash operation uh, right now, and there are for particularly states that have recreational um, uh, uh, marijuana, there are trucks, armored trucks, riding up and down the street, up and down uh, avenues right now uh, with this cash from these uh, marijuana businesses. There are armored trucks sitting outside. Their armed guards inside, they are hot spots for uh, uh, robbery and theft. And there's uh, obviously been some murders in some of these places because they know that they're operating in all cash. Um, this is the way to get it into a legal um, entity, a tax paying entity. Also, I had uh, uh, speaking to some uh, of the cannabis related groups and they said that uh, these businesses are paying their taxes in cash and literally going to the revenue office, the tax revenue office and paying their taxes in cash and some in the thousands of dollars and they're literally bringing suitcases of money in there. And that's just not the way it should operate. No, it doesn't seem like a very efficient way to get business done and to get the, the certainly when you're dealing with state and federal tax authorities to try to give them suitcases of cash. Doesn't right, exactly. really add up to a happy outcome for anybody involved. Exactly. So what are your expectations with the Senate? Um, do you think that there is any chance that this moves with that kind of alacrity through the Senate, or are we looking at a more standardized Senate, time to hit the brakes, and then we'll see where this falls? You know, what's funny as this issue has progressed over the years, I, I think if the bill were actually called up in the Senate today, if they just called it up today as this bill passed in the House, I actually think you could get 60 votes to pass it today. But the Senate is never that easy and never that clean. So you have still have members on the Republican side that don't want to deal with the issue of cannabis, uh, don't want to deal with the broader debate. So therefore, even a banking, a very rifle shot banking bill, they will want to hold up. I certainly understand that. And you're always going to have that regardless of what period you're in. But you also have Democrat concerns in the Senate, not necessarily related to the Safe Banking Act itself, but that they want to go broader. Uh, they believe you're not going to have that many opportunities to have a debate on uh, cannabis. So therefore, you need to address all of the issues that I mentioned before, the sentencing reform issues, the issues around legalization. And if they do that, 
I think the bill becomes uh, weighted and the Safe Banking Act will become a provision in the broader concept, but not necessarily carry the day and therefore would not move forward because you're not going to get as much bipartisan support for those broader reforms as you are just for the Safe Banking Act. So I say all of that to say that I believe that the Safe Banking Act will become law. Um, I'm hopeful that it will become law uh, by the end of the year. And I believe that the votes are there for it because it is bipartisan in nature. Uh, we also have an administration issue here as well. Um, the administration is, is not, or at least the president has indicated his um, uh, unwillingness to want to deal with the issue of, uh, of marijuana um, at large. And there'll be really a hurdle to get it through the administration, not the Safe Banking Act, but those broader efforts. So a lot going on in this space. Safe banking itself, if it went today, if it went by the end of the year, just standalone, I think it would pass. Interesting. So we remain kind of stuck in the quagmire of issues connected to and really uh, uh, maybe more socially um, connected issues than just the, like you said, rifle shot banking piece of the puzzle that might get support. But the fact that it is all woven together makes it difficult to see a path in the Senate in the near term. Uh, yeah, well, the path, the path in the Senate is never uh, easy. There's several bumpy, ro bumpy and winding roads with uh, both uh, potholes in it and everything that you can imagine. Uh, but when you make it through and get through that treacherous uh, road, uh, it is certainly something to celebrate. So we'll navigate as best we can. Fortunately, last year we had uh, a bit of a trial run. We were able to test the track and we know where the potholes are and we'll try to work our way through them. Well, and on that front, anything that bankers out there in the state of Missouri or more broadly can be doing to support the issue, help uh, drive any of the campaign or awareness around the Safe Banking Act at this point? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, uh, for those members of Congress that uh, supported uh, it in the House from the Missouri delegation, certainly thank them for their efforts to address this issue, to provide some clarity between state and federal law. That's most important. And for your uh, two senators, uh, we certainly encourage them to join in this debate, learn more, learn some of the challenges that uh, perhaps Missouri bankers are having. And when we say Missouri bankers, it's also those neighboring states around you that have dealt with this issue, um, how that may be impacting some of uh, your uh, customers. Uh, there are customers when, when people believe that banks are not working with folks that are in the cannabis business, you may not be doing so directly, but you could be doing so indirectly because the person that comes into your bank may be an investor in a cannabis business. There are thousands of investors in cannabis business and they're depositing money into the institution. So it's impacting banks far and wide, not just from a pure deposit standpoint or checking account standpoint. Um, it's uh, really from an investor standpoint as well. So there are several tentacles to this debate, which members of Congress need to be educated on. And again, we are clearly in our lane of addressing the banking related items and how banks work with these legal entities in their particular states. Um, all of the other issues are important, uh, but clearly um, areas that we don't have expertise in. And we encourage members of Congress to understand how banks need to deal with this issue. I think you, you put your finger on the nose for quite a few banks in the state of Missouri in particular, but certainly our surrounding area as well. 
that may think, well, I've, I've pushed away any of these cannabis businesses, you know, the direct businesses where they're in medical marijuana or they are, are buying fields where they're going to grow a cannabis crop or industrial hemp, whatever it may be. But they don't realize that it's that related business piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle that can certainly suddenly put a bank theoretically right in the crosshairs of where regulation currently says you are not allowed to uh, bank those services. And Absolutely. And doing a really thorough review of your portfolio, you might realize that this is a very important piece of the puzzle for your own bank, not just for those banks that are dealing directly with cannabis businesses. Uh, it's the investors, it's the hidden connections they might have. It's it's amazing how deep that web can run. No, it is absolutely. And I think if, if everyone did a, a, a thorough analysis uh, of their customers and customer base, you would find that you do have some relationship uh, to in some form with the cannabis-related um, operation and uh, again, it's, it's sort of where we are. When you have 37 states that have legalized this in some form or fashion, um, you're obviously going to run into that issue. Uh, but it's something that can be resolved if the Safe Banking Act were to be signed into law. James, thank you for your time this morning. We really appreciate it. I know it's, uh, like I said, you're buried in a thousand other priorities right now for our industry as Congress continues its slow churn forward. Uh, we, we thank you and the full ABA team for what you do in D.C. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Jackson.